All right, thank you um, for sharing from your hearts. I've enjoyed the last three weeks of people sharing how God has been working in their lives in these three key areas. So giving is part of our worship. So it's important we talk about it. So reason number one, why do we give? We give because we love God. Jesus says this in Matthew, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is really the key part of our vision statement, a community that loves God. And Jesus says, I want you to be all in with your love, all of who you are. And why does he say this? Why does he want us to love him in that way? He doesn't want us to compartmentalize our life, right? He doesn't want a transactional relationship. He wants a transformative relationship And we know that Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything he hasn't done. God is the first mover in relationship. In 1 John, it says, we love because he first loved us. It's not a duty, our giving, but it's a response. God is the first mover in relationship. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, all of it, all people, all creation, that he gave, that he gave. God is a generous God, and he invites us into a generous relationship of receiving from him and us loving him back. As Solomon said, he doesn't need our money, but he invites us into a journey. He invites us into relationship. He invites us into being a part of his kingdom. So reason number one, we give because we love God. Reason number two, we give because we love people. God values people. We are all created in his image. We are all image bearers of God. And as a follower of God, we value the things he values. And what does he value? He values humanity. He values creation. He values this world that he has placed us in. And that's the second part of our division, right? Loving God and then loving people. Have you ever had a family member, a close friend in trouble, and they're in a difficult situation, and they called you or you had to respond in some way, and and money had no sort of, wasn't even on your mind. You just knew you had to do something and step in and help. I know many of you have been in those places of response in our community, and I won't share your stories, but story after story of this person had this need and didn't even think about what the cost was. I just knew I needed to help. God invites us into a generosity because it's God's heart. Let's look at Ezekiel 47 here that speaks into this issue. This is God's instruction to Israel. He says, you are to distribute this land among yourselves according to the tribes of Israel. You are to allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the foreigners residing among you and who have children. You are to consider them as native-born Israelites along with you. They are allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. In whatever tribe a foreigner resides, they are to give them their, you are to give them Their inheritance, declares the sovereign Lord. God is giving Israel instruction. They have this promised land. How are they to steward it? And it is for everybody. Israel and the foreigners. 
I heard a talk by Jeff True, and he said this in response to this passage. It isn't flourishing unless everyone is flourishing. God cares about everybody, and he invites us into caring about everybody. I usually don't engage sort of political or theological debates online. Uh, but sometimes uh, my temptation to jump in gets the better of me, and it usually never leads to anything good. Um, I had a cousin post something about the situation in the U.S., and he is a Christian, and he invoked God's name in the, really the opposite of what this Ezekiel 47 says. You know, really, we don't need to help the foreigners in our land. Actually, we want to send the foreigners out of our land. And when he invoked God and in, in, into that, then I sort of felt compelled <laughs> to say something. And I said something to the effect of, you know, God cares about the foreigner. There's so much in Scripture about how we treat everybody in our midst. And... Um, listed some verses um, for his reflection. Um, I don't know that it changed any hearts. I don't know if it did any good. He deleted the post. <laughs> and, um, but I think sometimes we can get turned upside down, and we can bring our own prejudice, our own greed, our own view, and impose it upon God's and miss his heart for everybody, that he loves people. So we give because we love people. Whether you live in capitalism, socialism, communism, God wants everybody to have enough. He wants everybody to flourish. As a church, community church itself, wants to model generosity from what we receive from your donations. So at least 15% of what we receive goes back out into the community those things that we talked about last week in service, whether it's the elderly, people with disabilities, the poor, the traffic, the hungry, the prisoner, the unemployed. We partner with NGOs in the city, not just financially, but partly financially and with people. So at least 15%, sometimes up to 20% of what we receive, we go back out. It's how we feel God is calling us to be a good steward of what he has provided and because it's not just finances, we're to be there with the people they're serving. We come into proximity with people whose lives maybe look very different from our own. When you come into proximity, you begin to care about this person. They're not just a statistic or an article in the paper. These are real-life people, and you develop relationships with them, and it can't help but move your heart to them with a generous spirit. This is why, part of why we gather, even in our community, to come alongside others who are very different from us, have very different experiences, maybe different ethnic backgrounds, different economic realities. And when you come into family, the church family, you can't help but be moved and to have your heart opened. Third reason we give is we give in order to grow. Giving can be the biggest barrier but also the biggest opportunity in our spiritual growth. I think this is why Jesus talked about it so much. I was reflecting on my own journey of giving and what did that look like for me. And our church that I grew up in would put in the bulletin, we, this was pre-PowerPoint days, 
um, in the bulletin, the weekly giving and the needs. And so the community could see what those needs were. I didn't feel so much compelled by that. But in youth group, we would also pass the basket around and collect an offering. And I had a part-time job. And occasionally, I'd throw in a few bucks and feel pretty good about myself. I looked down the row, and I saw somebody who was writing checks. One, to have your own personal checking account at 16, I was impressed. I was like, who is that? And this was intentional giving. It happened to be the same person who was in charge of bringing the donuts every week. And if you heard the previous sermon, you know who that is. I wanted to get to know this person better. They had taken steps further along this journey than I had. But to be honest, you know, my giving um, at that stage had not taken very much of a step. It was like I'm here. It was almost transactional. I'm receiving services where there's a need. I'll give to that. But it was mostly about me. I thought this is what a good Christian should do. I didn't take many steps in growth until after college and got my first job. And I realized I wanted to make a commitment in my giving. And, and so we did. Erica and I did make that commitment. And this was really the initial steps and motivation for me in giving was this third one. I wanted to and received a lot of growth in my own spiritual journey. Giving released the whole the money had on my heart and on my life. It made me hold what I had much more loosely. If you're giving it away, you know, you're giving part of it away at least, then you realize it doesn't grip you in the same way. It's not doling it out to God. It actually has this paradoxical effect where you begin to be less concerned with that and it begins to change how you deal with money. So God worked on me kind of in this reverse order. The second one was, you know, really kind of giving to love other people. And it was this idea that, wow, I cannot help but not give to some of the needs I see around myself. And wanting to make a difference in those places and stepping in, whether they were in the local community or, or globally. And I think you know, the final point, my first point, was probably my last sort of step. I have many more steps to, to go, but in terms of my own motivation, this loving God and seeing that everything I have is because of who he is, seeing it as truly a response to his great love and his desire for good for me. I had to let down some of the false messages I had seen and received in the church about who God was. I needed to get to know God's character better. I needed to sort of exit sort of a legalistic idea of giving to set down some of those lies I'd received to really sort of receive truth from God, to see more clearly his generous spirit. So that, that is all intro into our passage, all right? And I want to share um, some insights from this, uh, Matthew six nineteen to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, so what is Jesus saying here? This is in the Sermon on the Mount. We've spent a lot of time on the Sermon on the Mount because it's an important teaching that Jesus is giving to us. There's a difference between two types of treasures, right? Store up for yourselves treasures, what, on earth or in heaven, right? And remember our series in the spring. We can think about this as, oh, heaven, you know, store up for yourselves that heaven, you know, in eternity, not now, but, but actually that's a misreading of it. And this, this image we've used a lot, you know, heaven isn't this sort of someday place as much as it is the ability to have a current reality here, right? Jesus says, pray that God's will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We're being part of that kingdom building of heaven here on earth. And so, uh, Jesus is not saying, store up for yourselves that someday there'll be a reward. He's actually saying, if you store up right now, you can actually receive the benefit now. This, this pays now and pays later. So be about this type of giving that lasts forever, where God's will is happening. You can have that experience, that treasure right now. Treasures that are not exposed to earthly problems of stock markets, of unemployment, of COVID, things that can be destroyed or lost or burgled from your home. Be sure you're investing in things that will last. Verse 22 and 23, he says, make sure your lamp is shedding light, right? Not darkness. What does this mean? The eye is the lamp of the body. One, I think he's saying, keep your eyes fixed on God. Keep your eyes fixed on God. Who is he? Who is his character? Is he generous? Is he loving? Does he want to see his kingdom grow? And be aware of what you are focusing on, what captures your attention, what grabs your heart. Where do you spend your thought life in? Tim Keller again talks about counterfeit gods, things that are you know, not necessarily bad, actually good things that become ultimate things. And money is a good thing that can become an ultimate thing. Jesus said you can have one of two masters, right? God or money. We're bombarded with ads. We're bombarded with messages about entitlement, of enjoyment, of, of self-indulgence. And, and, and some of those things that we see are good things, but they begin to consume us. They begin to drive us, and our life begins to line up in ways that align ourselves with those other things. That How can we get more of those? How can we hold on to those things? How can we make sure we have enough of those things? I think thirdly what he's saying here is, are your eyes leading you in the right direction, like a headlight on a car? What is the headlight focusing on? What direction is it taking you? Is it taking you closer to Jesus in his heart or closer to self? Jesus says you can, can't serve two masters, right? 
Jesus is saying that money will give you orders. Money can be a good servant, but a poor master. It will demand of you. It will change your priorities. It will change how you make decisions for yourself, for your family, for your kids. It can be used for a lot of good, but it can end up running your life. So we need reminders and community about what are we focusing on. Do we bring our finances and invite others in to speak into them? Can we share openly in a way that we're not judging each other, but that we're honest and authentic with some of the things that we struggle with? See, culture wants to encourage a a narrative of fear, of scarcity, right? Of greed. Get enough. Get more. It's never quite enough, right? And I think that Jesus speaks on money so often because he knows how it can creep in. And if you're anything like me, I I can compare myself to others who, who maybe make a little bit more or spend a little bit more on themselves than I do, and I can think, I'm okay because of those people, right? And that's not how Jesus determines the state of our heart. See, God brings a narrative, not of fear of scarcity and greed, but of abundance. Last week, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000, and these are Stephanie's paintings, and she did a different one in each service, which I am impressed by. And she talked about how God you know, spoke to her as she was painting this thing, but this idea of God's abundance is so key to that story. Bring the little that you have and God will make it enough. And I'm not talking prosperity here, but God's heart for you, for us, for this world. But we have to keep on making that choice of what narrative will be leading and guiding our lives. As a disciple, as a follower, as a learner of Jesus, generosity has to be part of how my life looks. I saw this list from a, a pastor friend of mine in the U.S. I'm not sure where he got it from, but I found it helpful. And he says, giving is not about bondage, but it's about freedom. It's not about compulsion, but invitation. And in this list for me, really, you know, was laying down some of these lies. I really had this list on the left, the messages communicated to me, which made it difficult to really break through in this area. It's not about a requirement, but it is a privilege. It's not about law, but it's about grace. And really, it's not even about the giving, but the receiving. And you probably have your own stories of steps you've taken in this and how God has actually given much more to you in the process of your stewardship. If you're looking at this list and maybe some of those things on the left are messages you've even received from the church, um, if you're looking and you're in this place today going, man, when is the giving sermon going to be done? It's uncomfortable. Um, Or how do I start? Um, I found this list helpful as well. One, to start with surrender. We talked and sang about surrendering early in the service. Surrendering to God, right? Laying it down, whatever it is that might be a barrier to you in your spiritual walk right now. What do you need to lay down? Two is to seek, to seek Jesus, to seek his kingdom, to seek the things that his heart desires, that he desires for us. To start small, to start where you are. You know, it was in some ways easier to begin this journey when I was younger 
Because I could say, God, it's all yours. Well, I didn't have anything anyway. (laughs) And yet, if I hadn't started then, it would be more difficult now. My point is here, start wherever you are at. And that might be starting small. Maybe it's taking that first step. Maybe you've been in a, a status quo type of a situation, and God might be calling you to take another step. So surrender that to God and see how he might speak. Sabbath. Sabbath, there's so... You know, we could speak all sermon on Sabbath, but Sabbath in in terms of our giving, take a break from earning money one day a week from doing the thing that you do to make money. Simplicity. Simplicity is a lifestyle. It, It asks us, what do I really need versus what do I really want? Church, why do we give? We we give for these reasons and um, we want to give you an opportunity to respond today. And um, part of how I would invite you in is that surrender piece. Maybe it's coming forward and kneeling down here and just praying to God wherever you might be at on this. Maybe you have taken many more steps than I have in your giving and, and you want to bring that to God. Maybe you haven't taken those steps yet and you want to bring that to God. I would invite you um, forward during the worship song here. Um, We'll also have our prayer ministers. I'll invite our prayer ministers over here, kind of in front of the band. Um, This might be a particularly difficult topic. Maybe you're here today, and there's a lot of fear and anxiety. Uh, Maybe your job is on the line. Maybe um, the stock market situation has created fear in you, and God doesn't want us to walk in fear and anxiety. And maybe for you today, you can come forward and receive prayer for that. Um, I would also, um, this is also the time to come forward to grab your communion element. So church, let's continue in our worship. God, I thank you that you are God who meets us in this place, that we can come to you, lay down what's on our heart, wherever that is, and you meet us in this place, God. You're a generous God, which means you are generous with us in your grace and your love and your care. I pray that we might receive that today in your name. Amen.